Hello. It is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. Preseason basketball is here. We see, we've seen a couple of games. I'm going to go to a game tonight. We got some exciting things happening. You know, it's preseason. Let's not lose our Wait, minds. What is it? Net crazy. Sixers? Net Sixers, yeah. Is that on TV? Is that on League Pass? That, yeah, that's on, that's on League Pass tonight. So get the, you'll yeah. get to see that. Uh, it's on NBA TV, I think, too. Yeah, um, maybe so. make more sense that it's NBA TV. So yeah. you'll get to see that. Uh, so it's funny. We have that game tonight. You wrote a great piece about the Nets and Ben Simmons, which we teased last week, which I love because you and I, great basketball minds, think alike. We found that same clip in that J.J. Reddick podcast with Ben Simmons. And uh, you you thought, look, there are a million reasons why the Nets won't win a championship this year, right? But if they can get certain things done right, they give luck a chance to happen and good things to happen. And the biggest thing they need to have happen is give Ben Simmons a healthy, healthy dose of your specialty, which is Royal Jelly. Uh, but specifically in terms of what Nash is saying about how they should weaponize Ben, how do you, the, the first, what's your first piece of, 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 advice that you think Nash should be telling Ben Simmons as a player on the floor? Yeah, we, you know, we, we actually added a little bit today for that exact uh, question. I, I think Brett Brown made a mistake in telling him, I'm going to bench you if you don't shoot threes. Uh, I don't think it's a mistake to tell Giannis that. Ben's just different. Whether it's you say he's from Australia, different culture, I have no idea. But he didn't respond well to that. That this, we argue this in the piece today. Uh, but I, I do think it's good advice to be aggressive and be weaponized. And I think the way to, to, I think the context needs to be what's best for us. I really can't stress that enough. And again, we wrote that. Uh, ben, if we don't care if you don't shoot and we're rolling, but if our offense isn't elite when Katie's on the court, especially. Uh, and you're not weaponized, we have to tweak some things. So it's not about you personally. It's about us. First of all, I think Ben, uh, I know this. I did some research in Australian culture uh, last year. Uh, it's very much more we-centric we than America, typically, mm -hmm. for basketball and in general. And so I think that's natural for Ben to think about we, not me. And it always has been. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to say, we might need you to be more weaponized for us to score better, more efficiently, more productively. And I didn't write this part, Gerard, but I don't think it matters about the playoffs, the first 20, 25 games. In other words, if what they're doing the first 20, 25 games is only going to be good for the regular season, I'm fine with that to a point. The idea would be let's get Ben moving in the right direction Let's get the swagger back. I, I put, we put in the uh, subheadline <laughs> about getting his motherfucker yeah, back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that after 25, 30 games, if they have that, now it's time for Nash and KD mm -hmm. to start thinking, okay, so here's what we're doing and here's what they're doing to stop us and it's not working. But here's what we expect to see in the postseason that might cause us trouble. So now, hey, Ben, we, got, yeah, we need to start doing this, this, and this so that we have some reps at it and you've got some experience and build some confidence at it when the playoffs start in April. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. that doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Yep. So initially, it's how can we score better, more productively, more efficiently, and whatever you're doing, and, we're, and that, that's working, great. But then let's keep adding to it 
so that our postseason offense works just as well as our regular season offense. I, I love the piece because you drew two great um, comparison points of reference for Ben, a player that is built similarly to him and a player that is not built similarly to him in Giannis and is now head coach Steve Nash. And you're right, because you've been listening to JJ Reddick's podcast and you hear Ben talk about basketball. He says, you know, growing up in Australia, how we like to play is ball movement, cutting, doing whatever necessary to get everybody involved. You, you say it all the time. Anyone who watches basketball understand knows it. You are a much tougher team to beat when five guys are working in concert than when it's a bunch of one-on-one guys going ISO in five games and one-on-one. That is very easy to stop and not good basketball. When all five dudes are in concert and everybody's weaponized within their strengths within the system, it's a beautiful thing. You see, you mentioned Giannis. You know, he often gets criticized, and I love what you said in the piece. He can't shoot either, but, but like he's aggressive, and that's all that matters, right? Like if you if you are constantly putting pressure on, they have to react to you. But if they know you're not going to do anything, well, I mean, that just makes stopping you easier. So from a basketball standpoint, when you say aggression from Ben, what is it that you mean specifically? Well, first of all, just to go backwards, uh, I, we all, you know, we went to college and we all have different friends. And I definitely had some friends who, bless their hearts, they were not great looking men, but they were sure they were the hottest dude that walked in the bar and they just had a swagger about them. And I was always very jealous of that because I never had anything like that at all. Uh, as a coach, I did as a man, I never did. And it's almost like, um, an exuberance that really isn't based on reality. A lot of NBA, we all have that in our working life. Sometimes you gotta, you know, it's like the actor who's never danced before. Hey, can you dance? Yeah, I've been dancing for years. <laughs> you got to fake it and then get it, get the job and right. then do your best. So, so Ben needs that. Ben needs to have a swagger. Like Giannis has it as a shooter and can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he still has that swagger. We are so afraid all the time. Corey Brewer used to always tell me, coach, I'm not shooting well, but why is everyone closing out at me so fast? <laughs> like I, it's true. He, Cause he, I said, you have such confidence when you do it. And he's good in the corner. So for Ben, there's a couple of things. I put a couple of clips, uh, uh, Jim mm-hmm. for two in there. He's, he's, everyone knows he's great in transition. I wrote, he's a freight train. Mm-hmm. He, you know, his, his speed at six foot 10 and his versatility and agility with the ball as an athlete and as a ball handler, very, very special. And uh, he's just hard to stay in front of and stop because he can bully you. But he also can be effective in the transition game without the ball. Uh, I put a gif in there of him getting out early. He seals his guard high. They throw it over the top, layup. That's a big man move. That's a DeMarcus Cousins, an AD thing that Rondo used to always throw to them. Rondo so does it to, he did it to AD a couple years ago for the Lakers. That's a really good thing for him to do. Looking to take advantage of his size against guards and many wings. Huge. Um, offensive rebounding. He, he's been a monster sometimes. Uh, looking to score out of the dunk spot, not just create for others would be good. And then I'd love to see a second box shot mm-hmm. floater yeah. jumper that he just has never really worked at or developed. Mm-hmm. That would be really effective too. Cause he can just bully like Jason Tatum with the book on Tatum draw. When I used to help players guard Tatum was, uh, you've got to stay connected to him because he doesn't really finish great at the rim. But if you stay all, if he drives, you're pressuring him 20 feet away. He starts driving. You take a deep angle to cut him off at the rim. He'll stop at the jump in the mid-range second box, which is where he wants to go in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you got to stay pressed up against him, make him drive, drive, drive to the rim, hope for help, 
and he doesn't shoot great. Well, now he finishes great too. So now you're just fucked. You know, you, no matter what. So Ben needs to get that next thing is make sure he finishes at the rim good. And then also second box floater jumper would be good. And then as I wrote in the piece, if he can make threes, forget, mm-hmm. forget about it, right? right. <laughs> My yeah. little Brooklyn yeah. accent, forget about <laughs> it. I just popped in there. Uh, I don't know that he, he can right. do that this year, but it's worth experimenting. Yeah. Giannis has yeah. been experimenting for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also said that Steve Nash, and you used Nash as an example to say, you know, in the playoffs, they said, all right, we're going to take away what he likes to do best, which is get everybody involved. Well, he scored 30 points and 12 assists that series. And they're like, we're never doing that strategy again, right? Um, But Nash is a coach who understands the game so well. You said that he should challenge Brooklyn whenever Simmons is on the floor to race. And that is, and I know racing is huge for you and you don't think players race enough. Um, And that's something they practice in the regular season season to get ready for the playoffs. Because at 6'10", as he said to J.J. Redick early in in Ben's career, late in, in J.J.'s career, Ben, can you make that pass? I'm six foot ten. I can make any fucking pass, right? Like, right. so if you race, he will find you. So first of all, uh, for anyone listening, I know we have some listeners that mm-hmm. have their own podcasts. Uh, thank you, Gerard, for listening to me. See, I mean this sincerely. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know, how, you know, how many people really pay attention to what I'm saying, but you do, and I really I do. do. I'm grateful for that because I do think racing is an easy way to get buckets. You, but you have to do it. You can't just run. Everyone's running. Racing is different. Um, that, by the way, that comment of I can make every fucking pass, that was my motivation for the bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's what, that's the swagger we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's what the Nets need to get with him. Um, Nash, in that one series against the Mavericks with Avery Johnson as coach, uh, I think Avery rightly thought, God, the Suns seven seconds or left, less offense, which again is slower now than pretty much yes. how everyone plays, but was the <laughs> fastest then. Uh, you just you chasing Sean Marion and Amari at the five and uh, Joe Johnson, all those guys. Like, we're just going to make Nash just shoot it. It seems stupid when he was the best shooter in the game, literally the best shooter in the game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it failed. But I love Avery trying to do that. And yeah, he scored 30 games at 12 assists. Like, no, he destroyed them. It was six <laughs> games. He gave them some problems early because Nash, in fact, in that series, I saw Sean Marion. I, I thought I read it. Maybe I heard it. But Sean was asked about all the shots Nash was taking. Mm-hmm. And Sean smartly said, that's Steve Nash. If he's shooting it, he's open. He should be shooting it. Like, we right. got no issues with that dude has been two MVPs in a row as a passer. <laughs> They're playing in the shoot. We just want to win now. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I love yeah. that about Marion. Um, so I think Nash can really help Ben, as mm-hmm. can KD. And I wrote this, mm-hmm. as you know, yeah. they, I just kind of pretended if I was KD, what he should say to Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, he, Nash is a Hall of Famer. I know Simmons respects him. KD is five levels above that mm-hmm. as an icon. Mm-hmm. Steve Nash, is, Steve Nash wasn't a, for, he's not a forgettable player, but he is not Kevin right. Durant to, right. to a young Australian, mm-hmm. right? Ben's, uh, uh, ben thinks of KD in, in reverent ways. And that's why I think this is ultimately a KD story. Yeah, um, no, I, I love it. Yeah. Because you and I, we both love KD and you think yep. this is the next evolution for him as a leader, right? Like this is... You know, we we know like he's a good teammate. People I've players I've talked to, they all love playing with him, right? But there's another side to this, right? Can you be the 
galvanizer, the Steph Curry type. So not only the best player and by work, and Henry and I talked about this um, last week, you know, Katie's big thing is always, all right, I lead by example and work. Yeah. And Henry's like, well, that's not leadership, right? right. Like, yeah, we, we know how hard you work, but you're Kevin Durant. Like leadership is literally getting your arm around a guy and saying, hey, yeah. here's what I want. You're amazing. And it, I'll open you set in the piece. Don't worry about me, right? Because I'm Kevin Durant. I'm going to get mine, right? right? right. Like, but if you are doing these things, right, that makes us better. And that's the we part. So that taps into him, right? And if they're playing that well with Ben Simmons to maybe the ultimate, I mean, again, Swiss Army Knife sounds like a bad word because it's actually a seven-piece tool gadget that's not very good at any of those things. But you know what, I'm, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. Like, you yeah, can yeah, do yeah. multiple things. This is legacy changing for Durant, right? It's like all of a sudden, oh, Kevin, you're not, you'll get the credit as the leader of this team. You get now a second MVP. You have potential to get a third, to, right? All these different things that, but you need to show that you can lead and get the most out of your teammates in that way, which that's a skill and not everybody has that. They, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, you know, Durant is famous for saying, like all these guys say, you know, I just want to ball. I just want to play. It's just such a common thing. Well, you know what, Gerard, last week, I just wanted to be a, a worker but I had to get the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, a, we had a potential devastating hurricane coming. We, we, we all just want to do nothing but what we're best at. Mm-hmm. Life doesn't typically let us do that. <laughs> right. And when you're Kevin Durant and you've got this player on your team and then the other star you have is so unreliable in, in Kyrie, mm-hmm. Kevin, yeah, you can just keep doing what you're doing, but we probably know the end of that story. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you grow up a little bit, as a leader, not as a person, but as a leader and, and be outspoken and you can be, you can point out problems. You can be uh, tough and all of mm-hmm. that, but you also mm-hmm. can be loving and kind and, and, and say to Ben, you know, our best team is you being unguardable because if they've got to send extra resources to you, it's over because a no one can guard me one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so now we have two dudes and unlike Kyrie, we actually guard, mm-hmm. especially in Ben's case, mm-hmm. which is a big story here yep. is that Ben can take some of that energy that KD has to expend on defense mm-hmm. away and mm-hmm. just let him focus more on offense. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think they're just harder to guard if Ben is, I heard, you know, I heard Zach Lowe talking about, you know, the dribble handoff, fake handoff, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Zach calls it a quarterback keeper. I like that quarterback mm-hmm. keeper. Um, ben should be great at stuff like that. Oh yeah. So you, but you got to do it. You got to say, Ben, you don't you don't give it to me. They're guarding me. Mm-hmm. Fake it to me until they stop guarding me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing is going to be when he fails. It's not going to be when he succeeds. Right. Where are you when he goes over ten from the field? Where mm-hmm. are you, KD mm-hmm. and Steve Nash? Those are the mm-hmm. two biggest guys. Mm-hmm. Where are you when he's struggling as a shooter and just blow it off? Mm-hmm. Steph Curry blows it off. KD blows it off. The bad shooters really struggle blowing it off. That's why they're bad sometimes in the first place. And you've got to just get them thinking next play, next play, next play. You pass for us. You handle the ball for us. You are best defensive player. You're great in transition. We can put up with some of your missed shots. Yeah, it's okay. For sure. Yeah. This team, again, coach, with Simmons fully activated as his best self, with Kevin Durant, right? So you got two seven-footers essentially. Royce O'Neal, uh, who's a pretty good defender, and you have a big body in Joe Harris at 6'6", at 6'7". Six, 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 
I mean, that's the size they were missing on the wing last year, right? And then everybody on the floor, except for Simmons, those four I mentioned, I mean, KD's a career 39% three-point shooter. Harris is 43%. Yeah. Uh, Seth Curry. Was, I mean, <laughs> Rose Neal was 38% 30, last year. 39, yeah. Last 39 year. in Utah. Yeah. Kyrie is a third, right? I mean, yeah. if you surround him with nothing but shooters, good God. It's like, it's like, it, like Ben said, it's that team they had early on with, in Philly with Ersan Ilyasova yeah. and JJ. He's like, but better, <laughs> but can, way better. Can Claxton ever shoot the three? You know, he is stepping out and doing some things, and I've seen him working on that. It really just, he's another one. It's about confidence and what Nash allows him to do. And to your point about KD, when he misses, it's all right, like, right, and not getting mad. And I think that's a big piece is like the visible frustration when your best player gets upset at you when you are not that level of player, how that affects you the next time. You're like, well, fuck it. No, I'm not going to shoot it if he's mad. If Klassen can shoot the three with his quickness on defense mm-hmm. and they play sharp at five, Claxton at four, KD at three, Simmons at one, and doesn't matter who the two who the, is. Right. Who cares? Doesn't you, can play, you can play Seth Curry, get another right. great shooter out there. You, you can, that's a fucking huge team. Yeah. At 6'10", 7, 6'10", Katie's probably seven foot, two six mm-hmm. eleven dudes in Sharp mm-hmm. and Claxton. Uh, that's a very intriguing look. Uh, if Claxton can shoot the three, mm-hmm. so they should let him shoot it all year. You know, Sharp can actually step out and shoot. Out, that's uh, yeah. he's very talented too. He's yes. young. Mm-hmm. He's talented though. He's a young player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're both six eleven dudes, and Sharp mm-hmm. was one year and done. Yep, out of Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they got. You know, like I like you like you paraphrased it earlier. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why they won't win it. And it's easy to say that, but mm-hmm. uh, it's within their capability of uh, capabilities of being the best team. Yeah. In the league. And it's, we talk about it all the time. You, it's the NBA season disasters coming. Like we know it, but give yourself a chance for good things to happen. Right. Don't, don't be the storm. Don't create the storm on your own, right? By not doing the things that you that you can do that you're in control of, right? You guys can control how you treat Ben, what the relationship like with everybody in the locker room, holding Kyrie accountable. That's all stuff you guys internally can control. So don't invite that by not doing the right thing. I think it's the story of this season's going to be who's going to melt down. It's the most even. I've said this. We've said this on the show, and I've written about it. It's the most parody driven league I can remember since yeah. I covered the league since '07. There's so many good teams. When, when Cleveland might be the ninth seed yeah, and they're in the good. East. Cleveland's so good. Right. That's what I'm saying. So uh, don't, you know, don't let uh, our failure bring us down. Let other teams shoot themselves in the foot. Because they will. There'll be other teams that do. Not every team. Right. And we can still be left standing. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's, don't fuck it up. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking, speaking of a team that is hopefully trying to not screw things up and get themselves on the right track, the Phoenix Suns played a preseason game uh, yesterday, last night, um, against the Adelaide 36ers out of the Australian Basketball League. Um, that team got so hot from three and made a bunch of threes. And that's something you always say, Coach, in the playoffs. If a team hits 23s, don't matter. You're probably losing, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just how it's going to go. And that's really what happened. They hit threes, Phoenix lost. And there was a player on the on the 36ers, 76ers, I almost said 76ers, Robert Franks, who went to Washington State. He had 32.7 rebounds. And you were like, you texted me. We got to talk about Robert Franks' game from last night. So tell me about what you saw from Robert Franks. Yeah, so let me tell you a quick story. Uh, I think I've told this to Henry before. So I had Robert for his pre-drive training, um, you know, almost three months of work. 
And uh, I didn't, I don't really love doing pre-draft training. I loved his agents. And I, Robert had lost like 50, 60 pounds in college. He was a big power forward body. Mm-hmm. And now he looked like a small forward, you know, six foot nine, seven, three wingspan. I really liked his story. I said, you know what, I'll, I'll do it. So he, he's one of the best shooters I've ever worked with in my life. Not, I, did, I did nothing. I, I'm telling you, I didn't do a single thing with his shot. <laughs> I helped him as a player, not as a right. shooter. And um, I had two teams, the uh, Bucks and the Kings, who were very high on him. Come, they wanted to watch him do a workout with me before he came to their facility. So I had two assistants with me. These are two guys that have coached probably 40 years combined and maybe more than that in high school. High level, like mm-hmm. high level players and future pros. And um, they assisted me in rebounding, passing, whatever. And my workouts, like, like it's like a pro day. But, but I don't do pro days like these guys do. Yeah. It ain't a dog and pony show. <laughs> you work. You know, race <laughs> yeah. here, race there, jump three times, run over here, shoot the three. Uh, go touch the rim three times. I mean, I'm making it hard. It's just one on zero. But you're not just catching and shooting like fish in a barrel. Right. And this fucking kid could not miss. He couldn't, he was making 90% of his shots. And I took a gamble of thinking, well, I'm going to see if I can't make a miss, make him do even harder stuff. And by the way, all different ranges, which the easy, easiest thing to do is keep shooting threes from the same spot. Second ease would be keep shooting threes from different spots, but the same range. Hardest thing is to change your ranges too mm-hmm. and make you move. So I'm doing like in the post trail three, pick and roll dunk and just all sorts of different things. He's not missing. And then five threes in a row here, three threes in a row there. I, we got chills. When, when, when it, we, got his, we got his first break, and I kept pushing the break because he couldn't miss. And I'm, I'm trying to get these teams excited about him. Uh, one of my assistants, Pete, came over to me and said he had never been to an NBA workout before like that. He had watched me work him out privately. He says, Coach, what is going on? I said, Pete, you are witnessing something you'll never forget. Like, this is what an amazing shooter does not, uh, uh, you know, not seldomly. They just can't miss. I've seen this in practice a bunch. He's just doing it for two NBA scouts. When it's over, Gerard, they both guys come up to me and said, uh, can we come back tomorrow? And I'm just thinking, my first thought was, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> You'll never see a better workout. I, I'll never see one, 90%. And uh, so I said, why? But in my mind, I'm thinking, you fucking crazy. Right. And they said, we just want to see how he reacts to misses. Like, <laughs> we, he didn't miss. Like, that was one of those incredible. They both agreed. Yeah. He's, they were sitting together watching, thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> well, he, the next day, he shot great. Did, he missed shots. Mm-hmm. He didn't even made 80%, 75%, which is pretty normal for him. Gets 15 workouts. No one drafts him. The yeah. Charlotte uh, Hornets signed him to a two-way. He's scoring 20 a game early on. They never bring him up one time. I have no idea why. He gets traded to Sacramento, also does really well there. He's kind of terrible organization. Terrible. And so he's now he's in Australia, killing it. He's one of the best yeah. players in Australia. I had, I had teams calling me about him a lot because I know the agents. He's a fucking NBA player. I, yeah. I'll bet anything in my reputation that this guy has a place at that size. Here's the problem, which is why I want to bring it up. It's not just about Robert. It's these guys that are pigeonholed as, as borderline players to begin with. Mm-hmm. You bring him in, you play him here and there a few minutes. He doesn't like the world on fire because he has three touches in 15 minutes. Right. And you think, well, there's just another guy just like him I can get next year. No, there's not. 
Right. Because there's a whole bunch of guys playing all over the world that can't give the Suns 32. Right. Like that, I'm telling you, he could do this a lot. He, he reminded me of Chris Middleton when I had him. Mm. He reminds me of Chris Middleton. Now, he's not the defender Chris is, but he could be. The guy lost, again, 50, 60 pounds in college. That takes discipline. Yeah. It, I, trust me, it wasn't the college doing it. <laughs> it was his eating habits. This guy was so locked in disciplined to his exercise, to his eating habits. He still is because he looks great and very coachable, wants to be coached, wants to be pushed, wants to watch tape. The NBA just swung and missed over and over again. Some teams should realize, they probably won't, but they should realize, wow, we should bring him in and put him in the rotation right away, and he will get playing time. He will, he will earn long-time playing time, I'm telling you. Coach, you say this all the time. There is pro talent, pro NBA talent all over the world. It exists yeah. all over the place. Yeah. He's only 25 years old. Right. So it isn't like... And it's this thing we do in the NBA, right? Not we, but the NBA does, yeah. as you as you mentioned. Once a guy's labeled as whatever the, the label is, well, this is what he is. I'm like, at 25, you he could be even different three years from now, right? He's now starting to get into his athletic prime. He's not even yeah. there yet. I mean, he looked great because I, I watched some highlights. I'm like, man, who's this guy? Like, he he's, looks really good. He's so good. And I, and I tell you, I haven't spoken to Robert since probably he was traded to, to Sacramento. Maybe one other time since then, three years ago, four years ago whatever it was. We're not buddies. We don't text each other. I did my job. He probably thinks I suck because he didn't get drafted. That's fine. I got no doubt this guy's an NBA player and needs to be in someone's rotation so you could see it. Now, you give him 40 games and he shoots 18%, I'll be wrong, but I don't know why right. he, would, he would do that. He's, he's an amazing shooter. And he right. can, he's long as hell. It's 7'3", yeah. wingspan. Yeah. He's agile. He's great. He's strong. Like you know, I'm not saying he's an all-star like Chris Middleton, but that dude can play for a lot of teams. And in a league that is dominated by wings, <laughs> this is yeah. like you, you got a guy over there that's really shown what he can do. And no doubt he saw that game last night as a way to be like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm pretty good at basketball. You should probably check me out here. And, and, and with a 7-3 wingspan and his, his weight and size, yeah. he can easily play small ball five. Yeah, Easily play small ball five. He moves his feet well. Coachable kid. I just, the league, we got a whole bunch of guys that could never score 32 against the Suns. I don't care what team they're playing for. Right. Someone should wake the fuck up. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> is it, it's that thing, right? Where Henry always talks about in the NBA, there's 30 of, there's only 30 of every job that exists. Right. And everybody's always trying to just protect and save their job. And it's this idea of, well, if I take the swing on this kid, that's like labeled as whatever and unproven, I'm going to get fired. But if I have the guy with the great highlight tapes, that, no, no, I won't get fired for that. Cause look, I don't know. He just didn't work out. It's that, but, the good teams and the good organizations and the smart people, I hate the phrase, but think outside the box, right? They're like, they're willing to actually take a swing and miss. They're like, no, nope, this will be good. And the teams that don't, well, you know, they are there, what they are. There's a lot, exactly right. There's a lot of franchises, Gerard, that even if they signed Jose Alvarado to a two-way deal, he'd be in Europe already or close to it. Uh, if he signed him last year, a two-way deal. He's an acquired taste. You have to understand what he can do. But mark my words, that dude's going to be a very good player. He's going to have a J.J. Barea-like career. In other words, I'm going to be near 70, and he might still be in the NBA. Because <laughs> I'm 57 and a half now. He's going to be around a long time, but no one drafted him. Right. No one drafted him. So the Pelicans did a good job with him. There's a lot of guys like that. You got to give him a chance. And not just Royal Jelly, but playing time, chances to fail. You got to believe in him. And that, that's not something most of these teams are very good at. And it's, I mean, we say it all the time, hustle's a skill, right? Because not not everyone does that. Like, not everyone picks up 94 feet. 
They just, yeah. they just don't. Yeah, Jose. Did you see, someone was talking about Jose like practices uh, his his steals and and like pickup games, the way he hides and everything. Yeah, that's exactly. A, that, I'm not surprised, but yeah, he found the goal is to find a way to impact games. Everyone does it in a different way if they're successful at it, and you got to just fit that piece into your puzzle. Uh, but what what team doesn't need a, a, a holy terror on defense at the point? Every or a team, six nine, seven foot three wingspan shooter like Robert Franks. Every team. They, they all need every team needs it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh man. Speaking of teams that are trying to figure out what the hell is going on, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers had training camp in Charleston, South Carolina, of all places, which I'm sure was in the path of, of Hurricane Ian. I know that they they got some some rain up there. Oh, they know um, they had some uh one of my lifelong best friends from since uh third grade lives there. Okay. And she said it was she said she was fine, but it was scary. Okay, really so- windy, ton of rain. Yeah, category ones are no joke. I've been, I've think, lived through them. Yeah, I think one of the practices got canceled, even though it's indoors. But they were like, "Ah, oh, we're not, we're not doing this today." Yeah. Um. But you know, they they were there, and I we mentioned them uh, last week because they were on the NBA TVs inside training camp, kind of looking that conversation about Doc with Doc and and James Harden went viral. We talked about it last week. There was more sort of from that practice that I picked up from the Philadelphia 76ers, the, the local paper, the Philly Voice, and they were talking about the most animated moments and practices. Um, and it really came from the top unit of Joel Embiid, PJ Tucker, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden. As they were struggling to get the ball in, uh, inside to Embiid with this four-out basketball. And Doc was kind of driving the point home. And this is what I thought was interesting. During an extended conversation with Tobias Harris, Rivers specifically brought up Philadelphia's post-offense compared to how things run in Denver. Even mocking Nikola Jokic's running style as he noted that how the entire team, Nuggets team is bought into doing what it takes to move the ball and find their center. By comparison, Rivers said the Sixers did a whole lot of standing around and waiting for Embiid to be more open than he needs to be. Our spirit is bullshit, was what Doc said to the entire group, referencing Philadelphia's lack of zip as they moved the ball or didn't to try to find Embiid at the elbows. And it made me think of something about interior post-passing, getting the ball into your big. As you know, that's a skill. It, it, it's not just, all right, here's my guy, I'm going to... Yes, the, the the big has to give you the proper angle, but you also, as the passer, have to know how to, like like quarterbacks do, pass him open, right, to get him the ball. And I just thought that was interesting about how Doc specifically referenced how Denver is sold out and we got to get Jokic the ball, and he's not seeing the same thing with his 76ers team. And I mean, well, you know, that's uh, Nikola Jokic is the hub in, in, in Denver, right? And everybody's bought in. That lead, That's telling me, People are not 100% bought in in Philly, and that's a problem for them, if that's the case. Yeah, there, that, that was a troubling thing. Um, and, and after with Philly, uh, I have some thoughts on Phoenix, the, the team that got blitzed last night by Robert <laughs> and his teammates. Um, uh, he, he led the NBA in scoring more or less last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I think he was number one. I think so, yeah. Like, they know how to get him the ball. They may have done poorly on that drill or whatever mm-hmm. but they know how to get that that man the ball that's for sure i think you're totally right i think passing is the most uh underutilized talent in terms of projection and um misused in games the best passers make everything so much better so much easier to score uh don't turn both don't turn all over as much create shots pass them open you're exactly right uh i mean james Harden is an incredible Elite. passer yeah he's an incredible passer uh, I think it's more of maybe some fight as to uh, 
who wants the ball more. Mm-hmm. Maxi wants the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. This is part of your job as a coach is you're managing egos, you know? Um, Some would argue I, the most important skill you have as a coach in the NBA is managing egos. I think so I think that the Sixers would be wise to show Maxi. Um, did Jordan pull, he got his extension, didn't he? No, he did not. Not yet. They he still hasn't yet. have it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something Tyrese is looking at mm-hmm. because they won a championship mm-hmm. and he scored, but maybe he could have scored five more points a game at the expense of them winning a championship. So maybe that's I, – because I, I think Tyrese is thinking about that's my guess. Is, For sure. You know, he, he wants to play his way into a max deal probably. Um, but there's no question standing around is not good. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, I don't think that's smart. I think they, their offense can get very stagnant because it's so isocentric with Embiid and Harden. Especially in training. I mean, this is training camp. We, we haven't yeah. – how are you standing around now? Like, okay, I get it. Like, regular season, you're like, whatever. But this is the first week – you mentioned managing egos. You know, Henry and I talked about this last week. As much as we all and fans love to think that everything is kumbaya with teams, they all hang out, everybody's buddy-buddy, they're all competing with each other for playing time, money. Like, there's a lot of different factors, and only the best organizations, and even the best ones, still have issues with this. Can figure out a way to work their way through this drama, right? I mean, because it happens everywhere. The Spurs dealt with it, right? but they were able to manage it better than most other organizations. The Warriors are dealing with it right now, right? But they can manage it. Like when your team doesn't have the right, and we got to talk about leadership, the right people in place to manage and deal with these things. This is that the storms that we talk about, you, you're, you're putting this on yourself. Like uh, it, let's figure out a way to make this happen. So I'm, I'm kind of watching Philly early uh, coach to see how are things playing out? Because I do think you're right. Max, he's probably starting to feel himself a little bit being like, I think I can do some stuff. And then there's, of course, the Tobias Harris enigma, which, you know, he, he he doesn't play up to the level that his contract determines that he is. And if he does, there's so much a better team. But it's like night and day with him, right? Some days on, some days off. Yeah. Yeah, we need to really – we need to watch. They they uh, they could be this year's Utah in the sense that if it doesn't go well, mm. you know, tear it apart. They're not going to trade Embiid, you wouldn't right. think, which is why I think Utah is so stupid. Uh, change coach. Yeah. Don't yeah. get rid of everyone. Just change the coach. Utah had yeah. actually done that and then just still decided to break it all up. Um Doc, yeah, Doc's gotta try whatever. Because this is he's on the hot seat. I don't care what yeah. he says. I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Daryl's for sure gotta be looking at that. Like, look, we got great talent here. We gotta figure out how to make this work. You mentioned uh Phoenix, another team that's dealing with <laughs> yeah. a lot of the money the money DeAndre Ayton situation and of course the Sarver situation. But you saw some stuff uh that you think you'd like Phoenix to well, do. I, I, it's not so much that, Gerard, as um, people I've been wanting to write them off for a while. And, and because of the Aiden-Monty Williams thing, uh, as much as anything, and the way they finished last year, uh, I don't think – you you said it right away and you described the game. Adelaide shot incredibly well. Mm-hmm. A- and I don't think any Suns player pretty much played in the second half that's a regular rotation yeah. player. Mm-hmm. That being said, they gave 136 still um, to a team far below them in talent, except for Robert Franks. Um, we got to pay attention. I, I think these kinds of things can be galvanizing, mm-hmm. but they also can be, it can be an avalanche. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's neither is scripted. Yeah. They're both possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got beat. What happens next? If it's great, good sign. I don't think Chris Paul cares in his, you know, 84th preseason. You know? <laughs> right. 
right. played 189 <laughs> preseason games. Um, I think that uh, Booker too. Booker seems such a competitor, mm-hmm. but I think mean, he even realizes, hey, we want to play till June. Yeah, I don't care about October against a, a Australian team, but it could get ugly if uh, if they don't address some issues to start playing better. Yeah, I, I think you're right because you know this this phrase that we always hear and we know to be true. Winning kind of cures all and masks everything, right? It's like it's true. Maybe these problems were always hidden, but the Phoenix Suns had the best record in the league last year. That didn't matter. Well, now the adversity is hit. Now, right? You, as I mentioned last time, NBA Finals up two oh two years ago, best record in the league last year. Flame out in the semifinals in Game Seven, which actually started with the Game Six push by the Pelicans in yeah. Round One. Yeah, without Zion. Right. We. He, he, the trend is not trending in the right direction right now for Phoenix, right? So are they going to get that trend, get it leveled off again and start heading back up? Or was this a sign of things to come? And as we mentioned with Philly, you know, big season for Doc. Like, are you all in for these guys going to change some things? Or are we going to have to see some changes and build up? Because I know Maury thinks that that team's good enough to win a title. So, you know, we, we shall see. I mean, I got questions, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tyler Hero signed a four-year $130 million extension with the Miami Heat. Um, I, you know, I think the, the Heat had to, I mean, they don't have to do anything, but I think this was the right move for them. Uh, good young player. Um, I was thinking about this because someone else in another group chat I have with friends asked, like, serious question. Is Tyler Hero better than Jalen Brunson? And I was like, immediately, I want to stop him. And I'm like, oh, of course he is. But I was like, well, that's what my eyes tell me. Let me go look up some numbers and see what the numbers say. The advanced stats love Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Brunson. and it's like it, he impacts winning way more than Jalen yeah. Brunson does. Yeah, and it's like well, hero hero is a poor defensive player still. Yes, very yeah. poor. Yeah, you very mean? poor. And re- when he's on the floor, actually, EPM, our favorite stat, he is still a minus overall. Right. right. I wrote about this when I suggested the Cam Johnson trade, mm-hmm. and uh, now the, the Suns are going to start Cam Johnson. Crowder is demanding a trade. Mm-hmm. Smart by Phoenix. Yep. I think I think that deal could have worked for both teams. It, and and then they would have had Crowder and the hero. Um, but uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta keep your assets. You know, what do you think about uh, the Warriors owners have suggested they should they should have some kind of ease on the cap, on the tax, when you're paying your own players that you drafted. And I really like that. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I really like that. Uh you shouldn't be punished for doing a great job developing the guys you draft. No, I, yeah. I, I am with you 100%. I think that's a, that's a great idea. I think, look, Golden State's in – I mean, look, you, you know, we, I'm not going to be crying for Joe Lake and Peter Gruber. No, neither but, is the league. <laughs> right. But they have some decisions to make. Uh, Jordan Poole has not gotten his contract extension yet. And he – right. I mean, we all saw the video after the files. We all are getting paid. It's like, what? Maybe not everybody. <laughs> Some of you are getting paid. Not all of you. They got Clay's on the last year of his deal, I believe. Uh, Draymond is looking for an extent. I mean, this is the question, right? So I think it's going to determine depend what happens with Wiseman, Kaminga, Poole, and Moody. If those guys make big leaps this year and front office and coaching are convinced that, you know what? We don't got to give Clay another Supermax. And we definitely don't got to give Draymond a Supermax. We can say, hey, you know, we love you guys. We want you to stay. But we we got to pay these other guys. We're giving you less money. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there with the work. Curry staying, we know that. But the rest of them, that, that could be all up for grabs and could be very, very different. 
There's no question about it. Uh, and they've looked, you know, um, Moody and Kaminga are works in progress. Mm -hmm. Wiseman, of course, has a, long, a lot of reps to catch up on. Wiseman looked pretty good over the weekend. Yeah, aggressive, athletic. I think his hands are better. People yeah. go crazy if he doesn't catch every offensive rebound with three guys in between them. <laughs> but uh, I never had a problem with his hands. I think he's gonna, he can have a breakout year. Uh, I miss Bill. Clay's got one more year after this yeah, year. So this thought, year at yeah. 40 and next year at 43. And Jeez. that's going to that's gonna be a 40, a 34-year-old Clay Thompson. I, I mean, right? The, I doubt you think. I Coming mean, up major surgeries. Right. I, that's another question you have, right? And Draymond, and Saint, he's getting older. You, They got to really think about it. But yeah. they're going to, of course, be trying to go for the title again this year. And they have every reason to believe that they can do it. Um, Grizzly Stein, Stephen Adams to an extension. And I think this was probably necessary for a number of reasons. Um to triple j injury right they need to have a big a big man present on the year i think it's a two-year extension uh adam had his career high in rebounds last year at 11 a game 10.6 something like that um and i like steven adams for them i like when they play him there at the five with jaron at the four um yeah. but their best lineup though i love is when they have jaron as that stretch five, five yeah. they're really really good when they do that it's just that he's got to stay out of foul trouble when they do that because right. that's when he really gets the, the, the fouls tacked up but good move by memphis and i'm I liked what I saw from them in preseason against the Bucs. Um, they're giving the young guys a lot of run, which I think is important. I am very curious to see, though. I don't think they're like this, but remember what happened last year with Atlanta. They went to the conference finals. Trey Young came out with the – they lost the first two or three games. You know, it's hard to get up for the regular season after what we accomplished. But, again, I don't think Jaws like this or the Grizzlies, but I was like, man, yeah, not a great way to start the year, Trey. And we saw what happened in Atlanta last year. They weren't very good. Now that Memphis is the hunted, no longer the hunter, right? Teams are going to go, oh, that John Morant kid's here, that Grizzlies team that talks a lot of shit, circle. We're, we're going to be playing that game. How do they respond to that this year with their best defender out for sometime between November and, and January? Yeah, that's the question. One of the main questions is how they can defend without him. Did you see the video of Steven Adams carrying Tony Bradley? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I watched that game. It was great. Tony like, Bradley's a big dude. He's from Tampa. Uh, he, went, he went to school down the road here and um, with Caroline, I think. And, uh, you know, 6'11", big, huge. tall, strong man. And I don't know what happened, but he was, like, messing with Morant. <laughs> and Adam's like, bear hugged him. <laughs> Walked him off the court like you would your toddler. And, but here's the best part. Tony Bradley didn't do anything. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, no, that, that dude, like Grizzly Bear versus Steven Adams, toss up. Exactly. Toss up. Exactly. Toss up. Remember, remember on, in, uh, in uh, what was it? Empire of the Strikes Back? Yeah. Luke's got to fight that gigantic mm -hmm. monster mm -hmm. down below. Yep. That, that monster versus Steven Adams, toss up. Toss up. Like, <laughs> who's fucking with Steven Adams, man? Steven Adams, long believed the strongest slash toughest guy in the league, like a person that you just don't. Like he's I, I would, someone to mess with. I, the two strongest players that I've ever seen since I've been in the NBA with real size was him and Pekovic. Yeah, big dudes. And big Pekovic dudes. like was mobbed up. That's what people always would say. I've no idea the truth. <laughs> Eastern European mob, <laughs> tough, like tough, very well, sweet guy. But like you want to fuck with that dude, no one would mess with him. Well, it, it's so funny because you know. It, NBA fans always like talk about stuff like this. Like, you know, it, remember last year with the Heat and the Nuggets played and yeah, yeah, the Jokic yeah, brothers, brothers. And, and the Morris brothers. And everybody's like, oh, the, Jokic, the, the Morris twins are from Philly. You don't mess with guys from Philly. I'm like, true in America. But yeah, you, there are bad neighborhoods all over oh, the world. Yeah. 
right? less, with less laws. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, Serbia's not a place you want to fool around in either, no. friends. Like, I just, you know? So. No. no, I've always thought, you know, inch for inch, pound for pound, Pat Bev was probably the toughest guy in the league oh, right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, and has a rep. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you, there's a, there, I remember hearing one time that there's only one man in America that could walk through the worst streets of Chicago and have no worries, and it was Pat Bev. And the person <laughs> who said that was like a, a, someone from there. Right. Like, so he's do. just so mm-hmm. revered and respected, and he's from there. But um, that dude against Peck or Stephen Adams got no <laughs> <Yeah>. shot. <laughs> no shot. They're like the mountain <laughs> against the viper. Just... Bump. <laughs> like pile drive right in the grass. So I'm, I'm just saying, when he picked up Tony Bradley, so that's why they paid him. Yeah, for sure. We, that's, we like, that's like your that's your left tackle. <laughs> that's protecting gotta, Morant from any bad screens. Gotta gotta protect the, the franchise. Uh, you saw Jabari Smith. Uh, play. Yeah, he said he looked pretty good. What did you he like? He looked confident. Yeah, he. I mean, Spurs did not play well. Did not yeah. shoot well. Uh, Houston looked good. Sangoon had some nice moves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jabari looked comfortable. It's one game. Yeah. I think it was five eight from three. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really glad to see that. Uh, He's a, he was my probably top player in the, in the mock. Although I think Paolo, Paolo's super talented. Paolo should be good. Super it, talented. It, it's important, though, I think, even though preseason and you don't want to get too excited, you got to, if the young guys come out and look confident, like that's, that's you want to, you, you rather see that than the opposite, right? Means so, you've done a good job. They've done a good job prepping. You've done a good job with them. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, they're going to have plenty of mistakes, but it's good to start from a, a, a positive place so that if they start low and make the mistakes, then they're screwed. Start up high, make some mistakes, still feel okay. Um, the Raptors also look pretty good in what I saw. I mean, the limited minutes that I mean, the Stars didn't play a ton. I think Pascal played like twelve. No, he they, played sixteen. Scotty played eighteen. Uh, yeah, um, still, they, none of them played the second half. They, they, they didn't play second half. Uh, did you like Precious Achua? Yeah, and, and how he looked. I, I have heard all summer about Precious. I watched him on tape last year. He finished the season very well. Mm-hmm. He looked really, really good yesterday. Again, preseason gaming against Utah, but um, he—they're—they're they're not starting a true one. Although Fred VanVleet's their primary ball handler, or a five. Siakam Barnes kind of take turns at the five. Um, I think Precious can move into that starting spot, mm. and then I don't know what you do. Probably bring OG off the bench. He may not like that. That's why you may not do it. But Pascal having to play too much five is a is a problem long term. Yeah. Yeah. Same as Scotty. But uh, yeah, Precious Achua. Just if you're if you're someone that likes looking at most improved uh, possibilities, he he's one of them. Mm, look at that, folks. In terms of uh, look what the gambling odds are on that. Precious Achua might be probably get some really nice odds on that right now. Oh, I'm um, sure. You know, uh, the Jazz obviously are still in their teardown mode. We mentioned them earlier. They picked up marketing in that trade. They got marketing and Sexton uh, in that trade. They sent Donovan uh, to to Cleveland. Marketing looked great at Eurobasket. I I, I like. He looked good yesterday too. Um, so you think a team, as, as we all know, my love language are tall people who can shoot. That, that is for sure. Laurie marketing. So some playoff team may want to like, Oh, we can do something with this dude. Uh, a first rounder. You think a, a team can, can, you I'm wondering, for him. I'm wondering, I mean, he doesn't fit Utah's long-term plan. Sexton is younger a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that helps. Um, but I think, yeah, Utah is going to feature him, uh, and then maybe flip him. And the way I said OKC should try to acquire John Collins, just feature mm-hmm. the hell out of him, uh, let him score 25 a game for you, and then trade him. I mean, Laurie's young, coach. He's only 25. Yeah, he's young. I mean, and he can shoot seven. I mean, he's good. 
he's got, I mean, God, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What, I mean, God, what team can really use him? For who, Laurie? Yeah. The Lakers. Oh, man. Yeah. He'd be good on the Lakers. Yeah. He'd be very good on the Lakers. That'd be really nice. Oh, yeah. You could even play him and AD together. Well, yeah, that's what I think they would probably do. But remember, he also played some three. That's true. Yeah. For Cleveland last year. Yes, he did. So he did. you could have LeBron at one. Whoever's, you know, Kendrick Dunn, whoever's shooting at right. two, Markin mm-hmm. at three, AD at four, one of their bigs at five. Like, he got some options. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how they can do it, but there probably is a way they can do it. I, I yeah. Well, well, I, I like that. I'm going to watch Markin this year to see if your point's right. If, if Utah's featuring him a ton, that means trade. Who wants to get him? I Smart think so. Team. Yeah. Yeah. He's a All right. one of the long-term that- plans. I wanted to talk about with you was, as we always say, you are the, the secret weapon in true, your basketball mind. We have that that no other outlet has. And I was thinking about the preseason. That is a place for where smart teams use as their extended, expanded laboratory, right? Where they're trying different things. The non-so-smart teams, they just do what they do every year, right? Roll out some dudes. All right, we're not going to play a ton of minutes. We don't want anybody to get hurt, whatever. It's like, I mean, you can do that. That's an approach. But to me, these are games that are regulation in length, 48 minutes. You have coach do something, right? Yeah. I mean, to me. Um, so I thought I'd ask you, what are, what is this something you think a team or a couple teams could do in preseason to tinker with, see if it works, and possibly try out in the regular season? Yeah, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more general because mm-hmm. I think it'll have – I think it's a phenomenal question. Um, I might even write an article about what you're saying ah, I like that. for one or two teams. So every, uh, I, I think you put this in a document, Spolstra mm-hmm. is experimenting, uh, a, playing a band Yurt and, 7 and Bam mm-hmm. together. That's exactly what every team should be doing. Is we, wrote, we, uh, 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 we wrote about this before anyone, I think, that uh, last year, um, that teams should try to go big more. Two bigs. And, mm-hmm. and take advantage of it, play two bigs. And we saw that in the postseason some. And I think this year we'll see more te- more teams do it, a lot more teams do it. So what they should do in this preseason is start playing with that. Who's who, who, how, What two probably are starting four and five? Fine. What do we run? Who's on the court with them? Who are the best guys to take advantage of those big guys? What do we run to either four switches or whatever? Figure that out. Every team should have a big option or two, especially the teams that are thinking about the postseason. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you, in the postseason, we saw teams go big last year. I think we'll see it more this year. So that would be some, that would be the, the the first thing. The second thing is, for the teams that don't expect to make the playoffs this year, I'd like to see them really innovate offensively. Mm-hmm. Whether it's copying something someone's doing in Europe, in Greece, for example, or, or Spain, where they use a lot of tactics all the time. Let's just run it. You know, I was uh, I was talking to someone from the Pacers. Uh, they don't have any amazing scorer. Right. They got to rely on tactics. They have to rely on strategy. Rick Carlisle is good with that, mm-hmm. but he just had Luca for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyrese can't be that. He just right. isn't that guy. So they'd be a great team to just really employ some high level complex tactics. And uh, you could always uh, water it down some when you get your superstar player if you ever do. Mm-hmm. But I think every team should do that as well as at the very least. What can we do with our second unit to make them better offensively? What can we run that's different? Uh, that uh, that the system will score more than the players. Mm-hmm. And then um, for everything that doesn't have a primary score, run run more innovative stuff. Again, or even if it's copied from Europe, it's innovative for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Do more mm-hmm. of that and put some pressure on defenses to come up with better ways to guard you. 
there's I love that because in many ways, that's something that NBA franchises can adopt from the NFL, right? NFL teams have jumbo packages, right? <laughs> that's, that's what they do. Oh, goal line, what jumbo packages. That's right. Why don't you have a jumbo package in, in the NBA? Yeah. You can, you got, imagine For having, sure. when you go, all right, we're going, we're going to our super big lineup where we go two seven footers and we got a six, nine guy three, like, but like, oh my God, I'm, we're grabbing every rebound where, I mean, it's going to, it's amazing. Which yep. is why I'm so excited to see a team like Minnesota this year with Cat and and uh, Rudy. Good Lord. Like, you're not getting no rebounds from, off that team, right? Like, right. you're not scoring in the paint. I love it. Like, I think it's really – and just try stuff. So I, I kind of – Try stuff now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm it, with you. It's really a good idea. But, you know, smart teams do smart things and dumb teams do dumb things. That's why they are who they are. I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. You mentioned Indiana really quick before we go. Do you think they're going to trade Buddy Heald? I do. I think Buddy and Miles will be traded. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. there's no rush for it. Let's see what the best offer is. It people think the Lakers might do a deal for both those guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think they want to give up two first round picks for them. Might have to. Um, which might have to. Yeah. So, Pacers are smart to wait it out, but I, I think they're going to have to trade them both at some point. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, a couple teams that are going to be kind of on that. They're, they're in the playoffs, but like yeah. they're like we got to we need size, we need more right. shooting, and it's they're gonna. You know, they're going to, that's the thing, right? Every year, a team will convince themselves we have a shot. And they may be right that they do yeah. have a shot. And they, you know, they mortgage out the future. You got to get these two guys. They get them. May work, may not. But I think that's smart. And Indiana reaps the benefits. So it'll be good to see. Well, playoffs are, uh, or playoffs, excuse me, preseason is here. Um, every team's training camp is over now. We have a bunch of games this week, a lot tonight. So I have stuff to talk about on Thursday. And then, of course, it's the NBA. Some drama will happen, I'm sure, between now and Thursday. So we'll have that to talk about as well. Uh, Until next time, everybody, take care. 